our great God and Father, we just praise your holy name. We worship you, your goodness and your mercy and your risen Lord that we, we serve and we pray to a living God and we are grateful for that. Lord, we are coming to your word today. Uh, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you have to say to each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So here we are, the last lesson on your Sermon on the Mount. Can you believe it? It's been <laughs> quite the, I can't believe we're in April for Pete's sake. But anyway, so here at the, in Matthew 7, we're at the end there and Jesus is um, ending his Sermon on the Mount. So he's kind of bringing it all together. And this part of scripture, well, truth be told, I get excited about whatever I get to teach on, but this part was exciting as looking back over all the weeks and, and how he brings it together. And some, just some exciting things that, that I was, uh, as I was studying to be able to come here and chat with you all today, it was uh, just some truth that I'm anxious for us to get into and where, where does Jesus stress, and I want to, he points the huge neon sign, if you will, once again, to the heart. Focusing everything, our heart being drawn to God the Father, and in praise of Jesus Christ, always, always Christ pointed to the Father. And so that is where he, he reiterates um, that faith is not about appearances, right? It's not about what it looks like on the outside. It's about what it is on the inside. It, it's our heart. It's our heart and our faith and our life that is in service to him. And there are great truths to learn about our great God, and that will hopefully um, draw us to know him more and love him more, even in this last little bit here as we, as we look back over the, the whole time. So this next section that we are in, we're in chapter 7, and we are starting in verse 21. But we have to know as well that this connects with, uh, it's right, it, it's like there's, we did a little break for the study, right, where last week you did through verse 20, and now this week you're doing verse 21. But in, in Christ speaking, he, he doesn't break. You know what I mean? So, so it's kind of a continuation is what, is what this is, 21, on um, going off of what you studied last week. So it's all, all together there about showing the fruit, what looks like on the outside. And then here he talks about, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus, as we see, points to the Father all the time. Everything comes back to that. So what does that mean? Did you all, when you read that verse and you thought, oh, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, did you think, oh, great, I know exactly what that is and that's exactly what I'm going to do? Or maybe you, like me, were like, so what? I want to make sure I'm doing that, right? I want to know what the will of the Father is, yes? And um, so what is that? Where, where, where do we find that? How do we know what that is? Well, Jesus Christ, the Father, I want to go back, I want to go to maybe a familiar verse to, to some of you, uh, John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. The will of God through Christ is that all would be reconciled to himself, that all hearts would be changed, that, um, that through the righteousness of Christ that we would become righteous to be able to stand before God, not through our own, but through Christ. So the will of the Father is that all would come to him, and Jesus is that sacrifice for us. That we would come, that we would know him, that we would receive Christ's sacrifice in place of us, that our hearts would be changed so that we would love God and serve him and serve him more. And as Jesus is talking about in this verse, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, not just the people who use the words, just calling him Lord, saying his name, and even doing works in his name, prophesying, just using his name, if you will, using his name to look like you are his follower for someone, or to look righteous, to look like they are godly. That is not what brings us into the kingdom. That is not what Jesus recognizes, who he recognizes as his own. It's those whose hearts are his, whose hearts have received and cling to the salvation that God has provided through Jesus Christ. That's who Christ can look upon. That's why he looks on this and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? We said it. We said it. It came from our lips. And Jesus said, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus said he never knew them. Their hearts were not his. And they practice lawlessness. Well, I want to know what that is because I don't want to practice that. Right? I mean, it's very clear. Do you practice that? You, you depart from me, right? So I had to look that up. What, what does that mean? What, what is he saying here? Uh, the condition, uh, the definition, as I looked up um, for the translation, what, what does that mean? Practice lawlessness. The condition of being without the law, either by ignorance of the law or just plain violating the law. Contempt and violation of the law. Contempt for, utter disregard for. Uh, wickedness, some of your versions might say that they practice wickedness or iniquity. Sin, they embrace it. Those who embrace sin. And here we know that it is understood from the verses previous and here that they knew who Jesus was. 
They knew what he was teaching. And they wanted to look like it on the outside, but their hearts were far from him. Whether uh, what many of you, I'm sure that many of us have experienced this in our own lives, where we have met people or families or even looked at our own, and we could say, I know that is not what it appears to be. We might look really good and all the pictures I posted on Facebook of our dear family, but you know, and, and you might look and say, oh, look at that sweet family. And you know what? A lot of times we are, but we are not like that all the time. But th this is a different, um, this is someone who, this is what the Lord is talking about. Those, those who, who reject who he is and the heart of his teaching to just appear to be something that they are not. And so I think it is incredibly serious here. And something that I just want to look at that is profound and, and exciting as, as we embrace this. Jesus is talking about here. He is, he is proclaiming who he is in these verses. Did you hear what he is saying? Not everyone who says to me, to me, Lord, Lord. And in verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. This is Jesus sitting on the throne, ladies. This is our great God and Savior. This is Jesus Christ, the authority. He is sitting on the throne, and he is speaking to these people, saying, one day you will answer to me. Those are strong claims that he is making here. He is speaking with authority, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but I just want us, our eyes to be open and our ears to be hearing what he is saying. He's saying, I am the Lord. I am the judge. I am the one who will receive you or who will send you from my presence. This is our holy God who is speaking here. And in verse 24, he says, therefore, so now, whenever you see a therefore in your, in your uh, Bible or since or since then, circle it. Be aware because this is a, a, it's linking these two things. So it's linking everything he's talked about. His sermon on the mound, what, what he was talking about just now, about the good fruit and the bad fruit here and who will call on his name and, and who he will have depart from him. Therefore, in light of all this, in light of all that I've just said, here's what he's going to say. Everyone who hear these words of who? Of mine. Do you hear the authority? He's bringing it back again. Everyone who hears these words of mine and circle that one because we're just, we're not only hearing, hearing these words of mine and 
acts upon them. Here's what, here's the, the beauty of this whole part. Um, well, one of the beautiful parts of it, but let's, let's just grab this one right now. So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and what I loved about this is talking here about, it can be the whole Sermon on the Mount. Everything that we've been studying for this whole semester. So I wanted to review that just a bit. Therefore, everyone who hears the, these words of mine, what were his words? Starting all the way back in verse 5. I mean, chapter 5, sorry. And these are broad umbrellas for large pieces of scripture, if you will allow me. Um, if you want to make note of these there under hearing and acting. Um, chapter 5, uh, possibly there in verses 1 through 12. What did he talk about there? What are we hearing? What are these words that we're, we heard? We heard blessed, right? Blessed be the humble, the merciful, those who are persecuted, and so on. That whole section of how he was um, talking about how, how grace is extended to and how, how blessed we are to be in that way. Verses 13 through 20, we are talk to, he talks about how we are to be salt and light to the world for one purpose. Do we remember what it was? To bring glory to God. That is, what, that is what our purpose of being salt and light in the world is that we may bring glory to God. Verses 20 through 48, he talks about having our hearts be pure toward others, to love our enemies and to pray for them. These are Jesus' words. Therefore, everyone who hear the, hears these words of mine, and they've all been sitting there, right? And we have all been sitting here studying his very words. And these are what he's saying. Love your enemies and pray for them. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, the overview there, he's talking about how our hearts, when we give, when we love, when we pray, how they are supposed to be our hearts only for God, that we are giving um, right in secret, that we pray in secret so that it is between us and the Lord. That's the difference between the heart, right? From the outside, just for appearances and the inside. Our desire is to please our great God. And so here in verses 1 through 18, he's talking about the heart that is for God. And then he talks about the big uh, picture of forgiving. Forgiving. Continuing on in chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, he talks about our heart being for things of heaven, for things that are of God, not of this world. Let's not, let's not have our focus be on the world. Let's have our hearts be toward the Father. Because what? I thought it was so beautiful, that section of scripture where he talks about the good Father. And if you're a good parent, do you, do you not give good gifts to your children who you love? And then he compares that to God. And how much God loves us and how he brings good gifts to us. Do you see how Jesus is continually through this Sermon on the Mount pointing us back to the Father and how good and gracious he is. And having our heart then fixed on the things of God, not on the things of the world. Chapter, I mean, verses 25 through 34, we're in chapter 6 still. What does he talk about here? What are his words? He is encouraging us. Let your heart not be anxious. Why would your heart be anxious? It just comes right after God having good gifts for those, for his children. 
Not a mistake there. Friends, do we let our hearts become so anxious? Because we forget our Father. We forget his great love and how good he is to us. And Jesus is saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them. Let's let our, our hearts not become anxious, but let our hearts seek God's kingdom. Seek his righteousness, right? Our heart then is filled with faith. It's filled with faith in who God is. We're sinking our roots deep into the character of the Father, his goodness and his mercy. And our hearts expand with love for him. We're uh, then we pop over to chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. The big umbrella there is that our hearts are to be gracious, not judgmental. Pointing our finger at someone else with the, uh, you know, while we have the log in our eye, looking at the speck in someone else's eye, that is a heart of pride. That is a heart absence of grace. And Christ is saying, no, we don't want that heart. We want you to have a heart like the Father, who is merciful and forgiving. And he talks about how we are to treat others, how we want to be treated. May I make just a little note here as I read through that scripture? Because he's talking about also how our Father in heaven uh, gives us good gifts. And yes, we want to treat others how we would like to be treated from them. But more importantly, how we want to be treated from God. <clears throat> Do we not need his forgiveness every day? I need his grace in my life to cover my humanness, my part of him that I have not um, yet given over into submission or that I keep grabbing back. My wandering heart. I need his grace to cover me all the time. I need the blood of Christ to be cleansing me day after day. Is this not the treatment that we want from God our Father? And Jesus is saying, treat others in that way. Because God has given you graciously in that way. These are the words. These are the words. And Christ is showing us the narrow gate right? The narrow way that leads to life. What a mercy it is for us to hear the words of God. Did you ever think about that? How merciful God is to give us his word, to give us his truth, to show us the narrow way, to show us the narrow gate, that we may follow him. What great mercy and love he has to open our eyes to that. Words that point us to the Father and his great love and his holiness. Words that change our hearts because they are the truth from Jesus Christ who says this is the way, right? And here he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, all of that we can take with us. Chapters 5 through 7. 
and of course more, but this is where we're sitting here, right, in the Sermon on the Mount, and acts upon them. Not as a duty, not as a checklist, not so that other people see, because why would we do that, ladies? Because our hearts are changed. We want to act upon them, because what else could be our response to this great God, to our loving Father? That's the heart that's changed. That's the heart that is Christ, who looks and says, you are mine. He's not going to cast those away whose hearts are his and who have trusted in him. So let's continue on in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, which we've just talked about, and acts upon them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So here we are, ladies. A wise woman. Let us be wise women who builds her house. Or maybe you would say who builds her life. Who builds her faith. Who entrusts her soul to God alone to Jesus Christ, the authority who is speaking here. Building her life, her house, her faith, the safety of her soul on the rock. Why? Because when the rain descended, when the floods came, when the winds blew and burst against the house, when the storm came, not if, not hold your breath because you might get lucky and miss the storm. Two thoughts here about the storm. Yes, in this life, the winds will blow, the storm will come. But he's also referring to the judgment here. When the wrath of God will be poured out on those who do not know Christ. Who are not resting. Who are not hiding behind. Who have not claimed the blood of Jesus to cover them. And in this day, the sacrifice that Christ has made on our behalf, that alone... And only that is what will allow us to stand before God covered in Christ's righteousness. It is the only thing that will allow us to stand before God and that our house, our life, our very soul will not fall because of Jesus and only because of him. What a great truth, ladies. This is what we're... This is what we are building our life upon, the rock, the rock of the salvation of Jesus Christ. And in contrast, he says in verse 26, and everyone who hears, everyone, ladies, everyone who hears, both here, keep that in mind, both here, but one does not act or do them, which are the words 
of Christ. They do not cling to them for their salvation. They do not receive them. They don't receive the righteousness of Christ in their place. In that day, as in life, they have no hope. They cannot possibly stand before a holy God without the righteousness of Christ to protect them, to save them, to have sealed them. And great is their fall. Away from the presence of God. Jesus said, depart from me. The awful, most horrible fall is that place where we are away from God. This is grave. This is what Christ is talking about. When we step into that place of faith to receive his salvation, we are saying we will stand until the end. The storms will come. Persecution may come. Whatever may come. But I will stand with you, Lord, because you are my protection of my very soul, my very life. I will die for you. It is not the faith of words that he is looking for. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house. They burst against the house on the rock, and they burst against the house on the sand. But the house on the sand fell, and great was its fall. We have no hope apart from Jesus Christ, ladies. But the good news is, he has shown us his mercy by his word. He has shown us the Father and his great love and the way of salvation. Verses 28 and 29 closes this chapter, if you will. The result, the result, what happened then was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching as one having authority and not of their scribes. I learned while I was preparing for this message that the scribes of the day, um, they would often, they, they wouldn't teach on their own authority. They would teach the people on the authority of those they had learned from. So in other, in other words, they would say something like um, Rabbi Thomas said this, that, and the other. And so that's what, and by the, by the authority of scribe so-and-so. But, but they wouldn't say, I'm telling you on my own authority. They would have studied under someone and they would speak under their, the learning they had received from them what they had learned from that, um, that scribe or that person. So that's how, how the scribes and the Pharisees would teach the people. But did you catch it? In our previous verses here, 21 through 27, Jesus didn't say, as you have heard, 
or did he not say that throughout all his Sermon on the Mount? But I tell you, but I say to you, right? Can you hear the authority in his voice? Not everyone will say to me, to me, Lord, Lord. It is assumed, they see now at the end, at the judgment, right? He is Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And many will say to me, Jesus is saying, you are going to be speaking to the authority, to the one on the throne. This is Jesus, ladies, who his, he is the authority. I will declare that I never knew you. Depart from me. Ladies, Jesus is the authority. His word was, his word is, and his word will be. He will have the last word on all of it. He is our authority. He is the one on the throne that we will come before. And as we stand before him, I have to ask myself and you, in light of this, we're hearing, all are hearing, right? That today, in this group, those people that were hearing him speak, are we just hearing or are we listening? And are we listening with the intent to follow through to the doing? Hearing and listening so that Jesus' words permeate our very heart, change our very being that lead us from learning and knowing, just from learning and knowing who God is, into loving and doing. Such a great mercy and privilege and blessing and grace that we hear the word of God. The authority, Jesus Christ, would love us so much to make his will known, his plan of salvation, that he would die for you and me, that he would make his words known that we may love and follow him. He tells us about the narrow gate and the narrow way that lead to life. Life. Life in him. Not death. Not being apart from his presence. Not being left in our sin. Dead in our sin. But he has breathed life into us. We are not bound for a great fall, ladies, when we are clinging to Jesus Christ. But we are clinging to life. We are bound to life. Will we hear and embrace and bow in humility before the authority and act upon his words? Will we keep our our hearts for him and him alone? 
It is truly his great love that draws us. His love of our souls. To be with him forever. Jesus' great love to die on our behalf. That we may be in his presence forever, reconciled to God. Ladies, my prayer is that all through the summer, that you will go back to these chapters and that you will see the love of the Father and how Jesus points to him continually and how he loves you and how he shows you the narrow way. And I pray that our hearts will be drawn to love him more and that we will just, it is the overflow of our heart that will serve him. Not a duty, not a checklist, but that it will just be our response to his great love. I pray that it will overwhelm us day in and day out. That we may follow him and act upon these words. That we may continually build our life and our faith upon the rock. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and worship you. Please bring back your truth to our hearts and our minds this summer and always about who you are, how you love us, and may your spirit continue to draw our hearts into a deeper love of you, that we may serve you and act upon your words to bring you glory now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.